Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, in studio today. Welcome to the show. The name of the song is Front Porch Blues. It kind of feels like you're on the front yeah. porch. And that was a very somber welcome, <laughs> just because of the music. Yeah, it's laid back. It's, la- it's laid well, back. Well, there's so much rain right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, summer's in hand. Speaking of rain, I just got back from Wyoming. Yeah? No rain. No rain. No, this time of year, it was like high was in the 80s. High. Low in the 50s. Oh, my gosh. Sunny. Cool. Uh, dry. Oh, it was wonderful. Sounds nice. Yeah. Now, granted, it's going to start snowing in September, mm-hmm. October through May. But look, June through August, it's the real deal. It's the real deal. Yeah. What were you doing in Wyoming? So I was there for a men's conference in Casper, Wyoming. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the second... The Casper. I've heard of Casper. Second largest town, city in the state of Wyoming. Okay. Is there a third largest? Well, there's a first largest. Right. Which is Cheyenne. And then Casper. Yeah. So, okay, get this. Second largest city in the state of Wyoming is like 55,000 people. That's awesome. Yeah. And the largest is like 70. That's great. Okay. And they, they like it that way. Yeah. I mean, you, it's two hours anywhere. Yeah. It's great. Wide open spaces. Wide open. Yeah. Beautiful area. Hunting's amazing. There's apparently more animals to hunt than there are people in the state. Not wow. to hunt people, but like... Right. <laughs> but like antelope. There's like twice as many antelope or something than there are people. So you're more likely to see an antelope than a person. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, I guess. Just, just just square inch wise. Square inch wise, yeah. <laughs> square mile, square inch. There's a lot of square inches in Wyoming. <laughs> a ton. It always amazes me that like Wyoming, beautiful state. Um, you know, we, I just saw this, this week, Louisiana, where we're from, tends to be on the bottom of every list of everything. Mm-hmm. But we have some pretty populated cities. I mean, we're sitting right now in our fifth largest city in the state, which yeah. is 125,000 people. Right. And I'm like, well, what's, what's the disconnect here? You right. Know? But I guess when you have a simple way of life and like things stay kind of traditional, it seems like they get along better like in Wyoming. Well, you have to be a little hardy and a little gritty to live up there. Right. There's no farm land in the sense of like agriculture because it gets too cold. You can't really grow stuff there. But there's cattle, things like that. It snows a lot. It's cold. It's windy. You know, like for you mm-hmm. to stick out and win, just say a lot of people move there and, the, the, you know, they just move. They're like, ah, I can't handle this. Mm-hmm. But the people who can are amazing. They're very gritty, earthy people, you know, like just strong. Can You know, like you would want those people on your team yeah. when the zombies come. Yeah. So maybe you, we should try to attract some of them down to Louisiana and uh, we can get ready for those zombies. Yeah. I mean, we got people in Louisiana who can handle some zombies, but I, right. I know a You're lot right. of people here who would just get eaten alive, like immediately. <laughs> well, I'm going to raise my hand. They would just be like, take me. Well, I'm going to try to negotiate with the zombie. That's my, that's my Well, thing. you're a good negotiator. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, know, I know you're hungry, zombie, but. <laughs> but look, there's someone else. There's a way that we can both get what we want here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was up there doing a, a, men's, a men's conference. Speaking at a men's conference, it was great. Yeah. It was re- really cool. Great, wonderful group of men. And it was good to kind of beat another part of the, the country world. Yeah. And see what the church is like and what God's doing. You know, it was re- really cool, kind of cool. I bet it's pretty neat to see, 
Because, I mean, just reading headlines, just kind of following the news of the country is one thing, but actually going meet people and seeing how they live and hearing about their faith in, mm-hmm. in this case, there's a lot of hope out there. I mean, the, even for the church, right? Like we hear all these statistics, oh, people leaving the church and all these things, which, yeah, we should we should worry about the numbers and, like, work, you know, work to spread the gospel as much as possible, but the church is alive, Yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, it, it boils down to this. Real people reaching out to real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there were two stories there at this conference. One guy had not uh, been to church in 50 years. Wow. And confession. And Man. signed up for the conference. Someone had invited him. Man. Walked in. Went to confession for the first time in 50 years. Dude. Guy That's was huge. like, yeah. Another guy, 36 years. He was a biker and a gang. Signed up for the conference. Like a straight gang? Yeah, like a motorcycle gang. Those Wyoming motorcycle gangs. Yeah, dude. You didn't want to mess with them. He, you know, shaved head, tattoo on his head, like everything. Like you yeah. you were just like, man, I'm going to avoid him because I just don't know. Right. And just like fell in love with Jesus and was like the most humble, loving human. That's amazing. You know, like, and you see these conversions and you hear about like, you know, the church is whatever. And yeah, like, in some ways, we got a lot of work to do. We're dwindling, but you hear and see these powerful stories. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, real people reaching out to real people and then allowing God and the church to intersect their life. I mean, it's yeah. not super complicated. Right. You know, if we can get out of our own little world and shell and, you know, me, 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 and realize that, you know, our life is about others. Yeah. Then then impact can be made. Yeah, and it, it reminds me, because... You know, in the church, of course, our relationship with Jesus is everything. And then our small group that we're journeying with in that, like our family or our discipleship friends, these kind of things, is is kind of the next layer. And that's very important, the small experience of the church, for sure. But that big experience of the church is important, too, like these conferences. And as you were talking, I was reminded of how, you know, in the early days of the church, I mean, Paul would just show up at a, at a city and make some quick friends, and then they probably had to set up some kind of time. Like, yeah, he's going to go talk at this point at this mm-hmm. time, or, you know, and then go invite people. Like, right. hey, Paul's here. He's going to. And um, how important that is, regardless of who's evangelizing, that's not as important, right? But to have this type of event where this is exciting, someone's coming, they're going to share the, the gospel with us, they're going to talk about Jesus. We have a, and if you haven't been for a while, you should come. Right. Like those people would not have had that experience unless there was an event to go to. Yeah, I mean, the real work wasn't me being there speaking at the conference. The real work was the men there who reached out to other men, put the conference on, and and have the relationships. Right, mm-hmm. that's where the impact was. I met a cool group of guys around our age. One's a former um, professional baseball player, so he and I hit it off. He's in partnership with a former Navy SEAL and an Army Ranger. Wow. And they do these adventure, men adventure retreats and like hardcore, like gosh, wake you up, like so, wake your manhood. So a professional your, baseball player, a Navy SEAL and an Army Ranger? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And it's called man-made, uh, man-made.org. And they, they do some really, really cool stuff. Wow. So they're just these, you know, real... You know, gritty men. Yeah, and we just trying to make an impact about your book, on the world. Right then, yeah, holy grit. Of course, it's coming out. Okay. I mean, it's just you know, the world needs gritty men in the church. Um, we need it. We all need it. 
Yeah, we need people who who don't give up. Yeah. Who don't fold. Yeah. Who will fight the zombies. <laughs> I mean, we need people who will fight. I need to be more like that. I'm <laughs> negotiating can has its place, but in that case I mean it's a skill. <laughs> negotiating is a skill. But you could say, hey zombie, like let's negotiate. And if that doesn't go well, then I'm just gonna shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna shoot you. It's a zombie, okay. So everyone listening, like we're not promoting like killing people. Correct. We're talking about like protecting about pr- protecting lives. Yeah, zombies from, who from will zombies. come and you know, eat us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, great trip. Lots more to unpack there. But uh, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. You ever notice that? There, have you noticed that there's this virtual world just kind of starting to exist, um, where you literally don't have to have anything real. You don't need a real job. You don't need like everything can happen virtually. Mm-hmm. And in particular, these people that are making full time incomes that are bigger than you and I will ever make just being a YouTube star, just being, and I'm not talking about like a few people that hit it big. This is thousands of people are making a living this way. Right. Have you seen this? Yeah. I just wish I knew how to do it. (laughs) Well, I don't know because (laughs) there's a London YouTuber. So um, her name is Abby Bella. Uh Okay. And she's one of these folks that makes a living on YouTube. Right. But her virtual world seems to have gotten the better of her because she's claiming that she was abducted by aliens. <laughs> okay. Right. And one of them has swept her off her feet. She's in love with this alien. Oh, good. That's great. And they're making plans to spend their life together outside, the, outside of Earth. Right. Right. And that be- has become the topic of her videos lately. And is she getting like more views and more hits? And then now, well, she's they wrote more an article money. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, either there's a sincerity there that we all should be concerned about. Now, right. I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe an alien has swept her off her feet. I don't know. Right. Or, you know, this virtual world is getting a little out of hand in Abby's life, and somebody has to intervene. Yeah. Or it's a marketing ploy. But um, well, you want to make money, create drama. And then people love like following drama and watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of enjoy living in reality. Reality <laughs> is very hard, though. Like if yeah. you think about that, like to live in reality, to live in the day to day, for all of us listening to the show, like to to live in the joys and sufferings of life, is to experience life to the full. But it's difficult. It's not easy. I think where people. Honestly, like when I'm talking or coaching or walking with people or is the 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 tendency where people begin to to lose their sense of like purpose and life and like fall into like depression or sin or whatever is when they lose their sense of reality. Literally. Yeah. Yep. So they create we create a sort of a virtual world ourselves to to handle adversity or suffering. And we, we run away from the reality. We run away. I mean, what is sin? It, it's escaping reality, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's moving me into this like, quote unquote, virtual world of the flesh. Like, let me please myself in some way, shape or form so that I can forget what I'm dealing with for a moment. Yeah, totally. Of course, young people are susceptible and we all think that, but I would like to challenge most of our listeners who are probably not <clears throat> in the Generation Y age gap, you know? Yeah. Um, 
all of us are susceptible to that. Yeah. 100%. Because even before phones existed, we created all kind of ways to escape reality. Right. Either through addictions or um, distancing ourselves from our responsibilities or our key relationships. Like, this is not just a new problem. It's just a new way of people escaping reality, which is has its particular challenges. But human beings have been doing this for oh. ever. Yeah. And uh, so if we haven't come to terms with that in ourselves, like how do I actually react with what's real in my life? Mm-hmm. Then there's something missing in us. Because if, if we can't engage with reality as it is, how do we know that we're actually living our real life? You know? Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, and there's this delicate balance of like, hey, I need to relax or... I need some entertainment to get my mind off of the stress, you know, watch a show or, you know, like go to a concert. Like there's some good things that, that, but those are in a sense what we would call like superficial, you know, um, consolation, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a moment of joy and happiness, but then there's this fine line of just slipping away and just constantly being fed, you know, whether it be through, through media or online or, escaping through, you know, the virtual world or sin or that just keeps us from living in reality and dealing with what life has in front of us because Mm -hmm. we don't want to deal with it. It's too hard. And those superficial goods, the best use of them is to invest in the deeper goods, right? It's like go to that concert with your spouse or with your friend or or something like that. Enjoy the movie with somebody, right? There are ways to interact with this world that allow us to invest in the deeper things of life or there's a way to be very shallow, right? And live right. a life that's investing in a lot of shallow things. Right. I mean, this is sort of, you know, one of my missions is to wake people up and wake men up. Like men thrive when they care about something, mm-hmm. right? Like we're created to like give a, you know, give a crap about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and and like fight for our family and our, and the world and people and, you know, like when we're when we're active, like that's when we're we're most alive, you know, and and yeah, like we kind of go back to this zombie theme. Is <laughs> like we have a tendency, men do in particular, to just kind of be zombified, just kind of like not care, go through the motions, live in this sort of have virtual world, like, and and not engage, mm-hmm. you know, in the mission. Yet we're most alive when we're when we're engaged, when we care. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, that's one of the dangers of young men today is that you can live in a world where you don't have to care about much at all, right? Like, accept yourself. Um, That's today's world. And young men need to be trained and brought out of that implosive, um, introspective life. And nobody's like, it's not like society is going to do that. It's not like they're going to watch enough TV programs and learn how to do that. Um, that's why we need so many good men, dads and and father figures, to be in young men's life right now in the church because you're not going to give your life for Christ unless you're able to care and love about something that much, right, other than you, other than yourself. And so um, we need so many good men to help bring up the next generation of good men in the church, and we can't just expect that to happen. It's like it's not like good men just pop up out of nowhere. The good men you met in Wyoming, they didn't just pop up out of nowhere. They had a dad or someone in their life to fill that that trained them into manhood. Yeah, I mean it's a huge gap in our world. I mean, if you just I mean, you you get bored just you know, search you know, statistics on father fatherless homes 
for the absence of a, a man or father in the home or in society. And like the statistics are outrageous mm-hmm. on kids and suicide, kids and dropouts, kids and, you know, not caring about life or faith, kids and depression. Like it, it's all traced back to whether or not the father's engaged. Mm-hmm. And we have a huge gap there. And so there, there's this a lot going on there because there's not men teaching other men how to be men. And then there's this gap missing. And then, you know, guys are like, well, no, I don't know how to be a dad or a husband. No one showed me. I never saw it. And I don't know if I'm a, feel like a man because no one ever showed me how. And so then I'm just going to like, you know, like, I guess figure it out on my own. And, and then I don't really know. So I'm not going to engage in hard things. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, Men are created to engage in hard things, to, whatever it is, like just face the reality of uh, pursuing my wife, pursuing my kids, uh, you know, making sacrifices. I mean, we know what that's like when we work and we do hobbies and things like that, but like the things that really matter and, but it's hard when you're not taught those, those things. And so like, yeah, like we have this, this sort of cultural plague, I guess you could say. Well, there's a deep theological reality to that in that no man ever knew how to be a man on their own, including the first man, right? If we remember and read Genesis, God taught Adam how to be a man. He commanded him to do things, right? To till the garden, to be fruitful and multiply. What it meant to be a man was something Adam received from God. Mm, He taught him how to name the animals and the creatures. and Exactly. Manhood was never something, it's not something we invented because it's an image of God, right? God the Father, we image that in our masculinity. And it's not something we just know how to do. Right. No man ever you know, was born and just knew how to do it. Right. God teaches us how to be a man. And that's either directly, like with Adam, and I know a lot of men whose dads are not great father figures for them, right? Um, thankfully, I have a great dad, you know, and and that's a blessing. And sometimes you can either find a replacement father figure in your life, and sometimes you can't. But I've met great men that were trained by God almost directly. They had to find other men eventually. But right. like when they realized that God would be their father, God moved their heart. God showed them. God taught them. You know. But the normative way that God forms men is through other men. That's how God designed it, that Adam would train his children. Right. And he did. And one of them was just, the other one wasn't. You know, there's that sin thing again. But... It's part of God's plan that as he trains us, we also train each other in what it means to be a man. That's right. I mean, God fills the gaps. God the Father fills the gaps in our hearts that no other human can fill, right? Like no other man can like teach me the fullness of life, but God can. And then I can surround myself with other good men, father figures, mentors, coaches, whatever, that just continue to sharpen my life you know like that's what we all need like we need an army of other men around us to rub elbows with to make us better but that without god even falls short like that Mm -hmm. you know i can be a a virtuous moral ethical man and yet something's still missing if i don't have god yeah totally and that's 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 the essence right like that's that's the the hinge point and we're going to break that open a little bit when we come back all right We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based 
health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, El Presidente in studio. Thanks for listening on the podcast or on the radio, KLFT here in Acadiana. It's raining every day. Literally every day. August is our rainy season. Apparently. Like if you lived in the rainforest, you could come to Louisiana in August and that would be it. Yeah, you'd feel at home. You'd feel right at home. So like, we just invite those in the rainforest to come here. We should. We should invest in our rainforest economy here. August. Yeah. Yeah. Have some kind of rainforest festival. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. But September's coming. Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be like mid, like right now, mid, mid to late August, um, the Lafayette Rainforest Festival. <laughs> and uh, That's a great idea. People are going to think we're nuts. Yeah. But then watch, watch them come. Yeah. Watch them come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. I like that. We have an idea. This is the idea show. Like, if you go back and listen to, what are we on, episode 211? 211. Okay, so if you go back and listen to all 211 episodes, you will find some really amazing ideas (laughs) (laughs) that have never happened, but they're really good. That's right. We're we're idea men, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we got the ideas. (laughs) (laughs) The Lafayette Rainforest Festival. Yeah, that would be, I think people would come just, we'd have some weird people show up. Yeah. They, they have some real, you know, kind of weird art, artsy folks in Louisiana. I mean, love music festivals. Yeah. You could have an eclectic group. We would, an eclectic group. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Uh, so in the first segment, we were talking about, you know, manhood, fatherhood, this initiation and God. You know, it's interesting because this week coming up, Sunday, maybe, we celebrate the feast of St. Augustine. Mm-hmm, the 28th. Yeah. True, true or false? It's the 28th. I don't know what day of the week that is, but is it Sunday? Yeah. Yep. It just happens to be my son's birthday. Was hey, born hey. on the feast of St. Augustine. Your son Augustine, right? Uh, yeah, Jacob Augustine. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, his, la- his middle name. <laughs> I wasn't that Catholic when he was born. <laughs> uh, it's more so now. <laughs> Jacob's a good name. Jacob's a good name, but it's not Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> What's his middle name? Paul. Of course. After the great saint. Right. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah, St. Augustine. I mean, he, he typifies exactly what we were just talking about. I mean, he, he does and doesn't, right? Yeah. Like there, there was this, this real conversion in his life. Obviously, St. Augustine, yeah. you know, the interesting thing about him, though, is like we were talking in the first segment is... He 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 uh, he had a lot of grit. He was well studied. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was disciplined in a lot of areas of his life, and yet lacked a lot of discipline in other areas of his life. Yep. And and why? And I think it speaks to what you were talking about last segment. His mom literally a saint. So let's let's all think about that for a second. If your mom was literally a saint, <clears throat> that's a pretty good 
help to your own holiness, right? Saint Monica. Yeah. That's pretty good help, but it didn't do it for him. No. He was still, you know, a life of loose living, these kinds of things, because his dad wasn't a saint. Yeah, and that, I think that's key. Like, when you read statistics, <laughs> like, if a mother goes to church, it doesn't have much of an effect on whether their kids go to church yep. and are involved in faith. And I know that sounds weird, but you can read the statistics, so don't, like, yell at me. <laughs> it all traces back again to whether or not the father goes to church and is engaged in faith. So Augustine grew up in a home, St. Monica. Monica was very faithful and devoted. She's a saint now, right? Mm. Uh, and his dad was not. He was a pagan. Mm. Uh, you know, had had some virtue. He, he was well-educated and really wanted that for Augustine. So Augustine was very intellectual, pursued, you know, academics, was put in the best schools, and became one of the best orators around. Like he would mm-hmm. just shred people. I mean, brilliant. He could debate. Like he could speak, and no one could keep up with him. Mm-hmm. So he found like a lot of ego and self-esteem in that. In being successful, he was extremely successful yep. in that. Um, and yet, something was still missing. You know, I would say like if you look at when I was writing the book or whatever, and all this is like, he had grit without God. Right. You right. know, like yeah, he was exactly a hard, hard worker. Like he was educated, successful, made money, like power, ego, uh, fame, uh, sex, women. You know, he, he lived with someone. He had a, a kid outside of wedlock. I mean, he was just, you know, just gritty doing the thing, but, but no God, something was missing. And certainly his mom prayed for him. But he started rubbing elbows with other men who have faith, St. Ambrose. Well, there you go. He found a father figure, right? Like yeah. what, what did it for him, because he played with Christianity for so long. Right. And he actually, he wanted to mold Christianity to what he wanted, which is what a lot of men typically do. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me make it mine. Right, so he got into Religion. different heresies, he got into whatever. Yep. Like, oh yeah, I get all this Christian stuff, and I'm going to remake it into what I want. Yeah. It's gonna... it, took, it took a man in his life, Ambrose, to, to say that's, that's Who, ridiculous. Who's a saint, but right. Ambrose could go toe-to-toe in debating him. Exactly. Right. So like where Augustine could shred others, you know, in debate, Ambrose would go toe-to-toe, even as, like, think of a rap battle, you know, <laughs> like in the streets. <laughs> yeah, they would remake the movie today. Yeah. It would be like like an eight mile type movie. Yeah. I guess. Augustine's on the streets. They're rapping, and then Ambrose <laughs> would just out rap him. Yeah. And that never happened. You know, or think of like a UFC fight, like in a mm-hmm. ring. You know, you beat everyone as a gladiator, mm-hmm. and yet this one guy just comes in and is like, oh, wait. So they started rubbing elbows and grinding, and, and Ambrose invested him and, and would, could like argue with him to the point where. Augustine in his intellectual thought had to really think out these arguments, mm-hmm. landing him into really pursuing the fullness of Christianity, the church, you know, and, you know, so he made a hardcore turn at, you know, like, you know, now we would say young, I don't know what it was like, but at like 33 had a conversion right, and went fast. Yeah. Like he went hard. Home. Yeah, yeah, and we, we you know, we say that like he was gritty without God going fast and yet when he had his conversion he went fast with God and like within a few years was ordained a priest. You know, him and his son got baptized at the same time at least what I read. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
and and then became a bishop not long after that. Like just fast track. Yeah. And you know the um the experience of being conquered by another man is interesting. I mean, I thought of like a wild horse as you were saying that. Mm-hmm. To tame it, like you got you gotta break the will, you gotta conquer it. And how that's so true with our relationship with God. Like if I'm just wild and getting my own way all the time, something has to break that. Something has to break my will. Something has to conquer me. And uh it seems like God uses other people to do that often. And for, for Augustine that was true. I mean, Ambrose had to break him in, you know, he had to tame him, he had to conquer him so that he could become fully Augustine. And that's the beauty of God's conquering us, is that it's not by force, it's not by violence, it's not like God's going to turn us into something we're not. It's actually to save us from this disconnection of sin, this pride, this ego that has a hold on us, that that is conquered, and we become more of ourselves. I mean, Augustine became most Augustine when he gave up on his own way, gave up on his own pursuits, and began to trust his life to God. But it took a man like Ambrose to conquer him like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously guys have a difficult time, us included, right? Surrendering. Mm. Oh, yeah. Surrendering yeah. our ego, surrendering our brokenness, being vulnerable, our sin. And yet it is in surrender to God that we're made full and whole, right? right? That right. life comes to fulfillment. And we find purpose to be able to finally surrender those things. Uh, and that's what happened with Augustine. Like he finally humbled himself to surrender that I can't do life without God, you mm-hmm. know? And it's, so it's not like we get rid of our grit and say, well, I'm going to just go with God and, and just be this weak man. No, like God and grit go together. And then we become the fullness of who we are because God's leading us in our surrender. And yet we still have that earthy, gritty, you know, uh, virtuous character that attacks the world and lives with meaning and purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So those two go together. One without the other, we're, we're, we're not fully men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a church... Because I, I know people who have God who are just, you know, please, don't take this the wrong way, but they're just soft. Hey, me included. There's soft spots in me. Not, you, know? you know, not like, I'm just saying like... Yeah. No, it's true. I have encountered people of faith who quit easy, who don't, who don't engage in, in like... Well, not to nerd out too much on this, but I think in the 2,000-year history of the church, as I'm just thinking about this off the cuff, but think about like how have we formed men for 2,000 years? Right. We've pretty much left that up to the culture of a people mm-hmm. because culture is worried about that, right? Like, like these people worried about men becoming men. It was important to that culture and to that community that men were men. And so they had built-in ways of forming those men um, in a human way, right? The gritty way. Right. We're, we're going to get this grit. So like Augustine, for example, they needed men to be men. So right. they had ways of educating men, meaning having them walk down a path that makes them gritty and makes them manly. And then the church finds these men and, and baptizes them, right? But we're living in a world today where, at least our cultural experience in the West, now I know this is different. Like I met a man in Africa, a priest, last Friday, actually, who seemed like a manly man. Um, and he told me about his family life. Like there are still places on earth that value men. <laughs> and, and the cultures actually form men. But in the West and in America, our culture is not 
that's not a priority. In fact, it's something that we're afraid of. We're afraid of men more. Yeah. And so anytime we want to form men. It's definitely the trend, for yeah. sure. So we have a unique crisis in the church right now in America because we don't have a culture that forms men. And so we're, we as a church, if we're going to worry about that, we have to think through that. And I think, you know, the Holy Father recently has um, added to the seminary process an extra year mm-hmm. of just prayer and parish work. And I think part of that, like initially, so before we go into the books, right, before we go study this stuff, let's have a gritty experience. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but right. I think the wisdom is there, like, hey, we need to actually form men as men in a human way, um, in a gritty way, which, you know, for priests, the, the biggest grit they're going to experience is the, the hard grit of working with people every day. All that's to say, um, we do have a, a crisis of soft men in the church in America, I would say. I think you're right. And we're not going to just come out of it. And so if, we, if we're concerned about that for our boys that we're raising, if we're concerned about that about our kids at our schools or, or as a church or as a parish, we have to think through how are we forming gritty men, you know, who are not just able to learn doctrine, but also the, the human stuff is formed, you know? Absolutely. I was talking to a friend of mine who is a religious priest, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they now take their seminarians like in the woods. Yeah. Like they take them like hiking for two weeks. Like some of their young seminarians have never gone without their phone their whole life. They don't know how to have a conversation yeah. with another man. They don't know how to do hard things, mm-hmm. right? Like. Like you and I, like, like we're at the age now where you're like, life's hard. Like you got to do hard things. Like things are hard, right? Mm-hmm. That's everything from like taking out the trash and taking care of your kids and waking up and going to work when you don't want to. And like, it's just life's full of like hard things every day, like choosing yeah. hard things, right? Part of that's just learned. Part of that's modeled and grown, you know, part of like all that, you know, like, but it, it does take grit. It, it, you know, it takes prayer and grit and like sometimes prayer gets me through and sometimes grit gets me through. Like the combination is what gets me through right. the hard things. And yet we can't sit around and wait for the culture to change. Like, like we have to start, you know, empowering people, men to boys to, to become who God fully created them to be, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking to someone who, you know, found his identity in sports and, you know, accomplishments, and that's what made me a man. And and certainly, like, at, there was a point in my life where sports saved my life. Like, it kept me out of trouble. It literally, and it taught me hard things, you know. So, like, but that without God and without, you know, other learning how to be a man in other ways it left me shorthanded, you know, it left me not a full deck of cards. Yeah. You know? Well, and I'll, I'll use you as an example. I know it's going to embarrass you, but I'll just use it as a positive example if that's okay. But I think one of the dangers of, of the men movement, the men's ministry, men's conferences, there's a, there's a subtle danger in that I become slightly obsessed with me becoming a great man. Like, okay, I want to have all those experiences. I want to go out into the woods I want to go. Um, I want to get that grit you're talking about, Paul. Right, but that's actually, I think, 
you miss it because I become self-obsessed that way. Mm. And I become kind of hyper-focused on me. I think the most manly and virtuous outcome of, the, of that is, okay, so how do I train the men in my life to become men? And that's where you got to be. So like with you, you've seen with your own son, you know, like you went through that journey you're just talking about of discovery and discovering what real manhood is. You handing that on to your son that he would have that experience from the, from the beginning of his life, right? Like he would be trained as a man is the greatest fruit of your own journey. And this is where Augustine went with his conversion. He didn't just become obsessed about himself, right? He did do the hard things for himself. He became, they, he started a, um, a group of people living together in austerity. I mean, he was one of the first monks, like Augustinian monks are still around today. Um, he did do the hard stuff. He did become gritty. But he didn't just think about himself. He said, how can we form other men? Mm. So he formed other monks, and he challenged other bishops. And he, he was worried about the next generation of men in the church. And that's the focus, right? Forming these men, first with our kids, all of our kids. And if every Catholic man was committed to raising Catholic men, within 40 years, we'd have all the gritty men we need, mm. right? Like, that's the best strategy but also the other men in our life. How can we help form other men? If we become just focused on me, and I want all the experiences, I want all the things. This is where a lot of young people are today, honestly, men in the church, is that they're going to all these things and having all these experiences, and their, their calendar's full, their life is full, but they're not engaging in forming young people. They're not engaging in forming other men, and there's a certain um, absence in that because God doesn't just need one good man. He needs all good men. And so we all have to be worried about that. There's a movie called A Few Good Men. Yeah. It didn't work out for them. If you only have a few. No. Look what happened. Right. You need more than a few. <laughs> you need many good men. We need a movie called Many Good Men in the Rainforest. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, uh, to go back to Abby Bella for a sec. Uh -huh. This is the virtual Yeah, this woman. is the lady who's in love with an alien. Yeah. Um. One question you can ask, which I think is logical, is like, where is her dad? Right. I think dads have the responsibility and the role to tell us what reality is and bring us back to reality. That is a great point. <laughs> so it's like, where is her dad? Because um, that's true. I think that's very true. His dad. Where's his dad? Right. And so uh, that question, you know, it's kind of instinctual. Where's the dad? Where's the dad? Um, is one we can ask, and it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it puts, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel the pressure of that. Like when you say that, right. I think it's true. Like I feel the pressure of that and we all do. And so there, there, we have two, they're disengaged from that pressure. But the, the reality is that with pressure comes privilege and it is a real privilege to be a father. Yeah. To be a man. And to take that privilege and to just move forward in taking the pressure and just saying, I'm, I'm just going to do something. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to engage in my family. <clears throat> I'm going to engage with my, my kids. I'm going to engage with, you know, other men and engage in work. And I'm going to live with meaning and purpose, you know. Mm -hmm. This is what happened with Augustine, as we're talking about in this week. Like, there was a transformation with God, and, like, he went on mission. He found the fullness of what you said, like the fullness of Augustine came to life, you know, mm -hmm. when, when he was 
God was able to just breathe new life into him. Transformation happened, you know? Mm-hmm. What happened with his son? His son followed, right? right. His son was baptized and converted. Yeah. I mean, how powerful is that? Yeah, you mentioned the pressure. I, I know one dad in particular who's a good, faithful man struggling with a, a child situation right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing to me that God let himself be the example of the father who failed. Mm-hmm. That's the first story of God, is that he creates Adam, right. Adam fails. There's no better dad than God, right? Right, that's true. <laughs> and then Adam's kid, so he's the first, I mean, God's nobody's grandparent, but like yeah. Adam's son failed big time, mm. right? So our first examples of fatherhood, even from God, we know that the results aren't what's important, you know, mm. because people have their free will. But the fidelity of the father is important, that mm. God was always faithful to Adam, even when he sinned, mm. even when he strayed. Um, that's true. God was faithful to Cain when he sinned yeah. and strayed, right? So it's the fidelity of the father that's most important. That's where the pressure should be, not in the results of the, of the kids. Hmm. That's good. Just, right. just to those who are... Struggling, because I know there's a lot of dads struggling right now with their, their kids. Yeah, it's not easy. No, I mean, yeah. like, we're look, everyone has free will, but I, I think what you bring is, like, at the end of the day, it's just faithfulness, mm-hmm. you know, and pursuing, and that we just, it's the best we can do. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio here for show 211, by the way. Yep, you know the saying, uh, 211th time's the charm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've read about that. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for being a part of the show on the podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, whatever, and part of the show here in Acadiana, KLFT 90.5 here in rainy Louisiana. Um, so thanks for being a part of the show. Lots lots to be grateful for. So, yeah, we've kind of been talking along, just rolling, but uh, I was wondering... If you had a weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. Paul, you just made that up. No. No way that's true. It's got to be. You thought of that in your own little brain. That's too weird. Uh, Weird Catholic stuff. So, uh, nice little trend going. Listeners are sending us weird Catholic stuff. I like this. This is engagement. I can't always find the content that we need. That's so, right. And I think everyone knows that, so they're sending us help. <laughs> <laughs> so a listener sent mm-hmm. what? What did they send? I've never heard of this, and I'm kind of shocked because it seems so known. Here's what I love is when you've never heard of a weird Catholic stuff, because if there's a weird Catholic, it's you. <laughs> That's true. Like, you know weird things, crazy things. Yeah. So th- this is... 
Well, it's it's weird, and it's about a well-known saint, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux or Bernard of Clairvaux, depending on how you want to say it. Who we just was a feast day recently, recent, very right? recent. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago or Bernard. You say Bernard. So Bernard? in France, you'd say Bernard. Bernard. Yeah. And here's the here's the Clairvaux, which is Clairvaux, Clairvaux is France. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, if you want to say Bernard, you could do that. Which means a lot to us in French Louisiana, Clairvaux. I mean, like we like we relate to this this exactly. cat. Exactly. Okay, so well, like, what's weird? So, apparently, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to Saint Bernard. Oh, really? Yes. And this is like an approved. Yeah, I mean, thing. I mean, he is a saint, but it's I, a story I don't know about like... his life. His life is canonized. That's the thing about these apparitions to saints is that their apparitions never really get like approval in the same way that say Fatima does or Lourdes. But by canonizing that person, the visions they had, the private revelation, are also kind of oh, okay canonized in a sense, right? Because okay. otherwise they're lying about it, and no saint would lie about it. Right? Yeah. Um. So anyway, the the story goes and this happened, that Mary appeared to St. Bernard and uh, hmm. decided to grant him spiritual gifts as Mary has, you know, she's the queen of all grace. Okay. But the way um, she decided to do that was kind of through a an icon, if you will. Like a statue. Well, that her image to do that was that she actually bared her breast okay and lactated into saint bernard so like from her breast came the breast milk Hmm. to saint bernard who drank it so i'm just gonna keep talking with a straight face like you didn't say any of that (laughs) um so this is true like this is a mm -hmm. weird catholic stuff so now we have weird catholic things where like uh oils come out of you know, statues and things like this. Like we've mm-hmm. talked about it. It's weird, crazy stuff. So this is a, is it a statue or is No, it, it was her. Okay, so like it was she her. She appears to him. Like when she appears. He's in prayer. She appears to him. So like a mother feeding her baby. Right. Basically. Like if you really want to look at the theology of the body here. Right. The beauty of it. Exactly. And from that moment on, from that apparition, uh, Bernard had an increase in wisdom. So Our Lady of Wisdom kind of fed him with wisdom is the idea. Okay. And that's what happened. Now, this has been depicted in art many times, which is, I didn't know. Okay. I'm shocked because there's some famous paintings about this. You can look it up. It's yeah. called The Lactation of St. Bernard. Hmm. And uh, it's all exactly what you think it is. I'm that just Mary appears to him. Now, sometimes he's far away. Mm. That's, that's one of these images where like it's a, it's a long stream. Gotcha. Sometimes he's very close, so it's more like a, a splatter. Okay. But um This is it. It's it's a bit strange. Like if you've now if yeah. you take it from a theological perspective and an actual mother child perspective, there's beauty in this. Like oh, so totally. You've you and your wife have a hundred kids, I have half a hundred. You know, the beauty of the body and life and children and nursing and like all those things like like there's it's very normal and natural right like Mm -hmm. so i guess you know mary the mother she's very motherly yeah well part of this was he was suffering from some kind of um ailment in his mouth that was part of it so he had some sores and so they were healed by this apparition really yeah um wow yes and so there were spiritual gifts but also physical healing Hmm. and look in, in the old testament 
We talk about uh, God's people nursing with delight at the abundant breasts of Mother Jerusalem. Mm. So this idea of a mother feeding her children is very biblical in this way. And uh, I think it's a beautiful icon of Mary's motherly role in that, like, with grace specifically. Mm. Because, you know, it's, it's easy as Catholics to get insecure about Mary and want to, like, clarify things and in that insecurity to say, well, no, we don't worship Mary, which is true. And we don't, uh, Mary's like our, our, our greatest model of discipleship, right? Like we imitate Mary and we imitate Christ. That's true too. But it's also true that God has given Mary a motherly role in the church to give us grace. Hmm. He's the source of the grace, but she's the mother bearing that grace to us. She's the mediatrix of all grace, for example. And so that breastfeeding image is, it speaks of nutrition. It speaks of hmm. grace, Right? I've just kept a straight face this whole time. <laughs> you did. I'm it's, proud of you, man. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I do think it's a, it's a very interesting and good way to kind of wrap up the show because we've talked a lot. <laughs> we have talked a lot about a man's role. Oh, you're right. Yeah. In in life, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that, and we didn't mean that to downplay the role of a mother and a mom because that's not what we're saying. We're mm-hmm. just trying to engage the fact that, like, Men engaging is extremely important, and you can look through history and look in statistics. But the role that a mother plays is is extremely unique and important. Like essential the the health of kids, like statistically, having nurturing mother and that that love is like beyond measure. Right? Jesus had a mother, mm-hmm. the, the most perfect mother. You know, like it is our our role in our relationship with God is come comes into fullness when we understand the Mary, the, yes. you know, the disciple. Like, so like a family is not just a mom or just a dad. Like it, it is, it is the both, like the combination of two. So, so the most adjusted people in the world and the most holy and gritty people in the world who are, who both have the presence of mother and father mm-hmm. engaged, right? And our Lord knew this. That's why he gave us Mary. I mean, think about this. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords. Hosanna. There's nothing missing in him. Glory. He has everything we need, right? He has literally everything we need in life. Completely. Totally. There's nothing he lacks. He chose to share his throne with a woman. Mm. He chose to make a woman queen wherever he is king. Why? Because we need both. We need, for human flourishing, we need a mom and a dad, in a sense. We need a masculine help, we need masculine direction, and we need feminine. Yeah, I just got to like pat myself on the back for Show 211, that I've been extremely mature, as you've shared this, so mature. this story, I'm this weird you. Catholic... You must have very maternal people in your life. ...lactating story. Yeah. I've been... I've handled it super well. I agree. I've... Stayed on path. Your wife's going to be very proud of you. I've been extremely mature about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm proud of myself. You should be. For that. You're well-adjusted. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) How about just well-behaved? Yes, I'll give you that. These are the weird things, but, like, you know, you can't argue with St. Bernard of Clairvaux and these images, the healing, the presence of Mary. It's kind of crazy. I know it's weird. (laughs) But, you know. Well, maybe it's so weird to us. It might have not been weird to them back then. Because we are disconnected from mom a bit. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be as weird. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, 
in a certain sense, like ancient world and even our, our blessed mother was covered from head to toe pretty much, right? You had the veil and you had the long, in a certain sense, this covering of the body. But then mm-hmm. there's also a lot of artwork or whatever else that's very exposing of the body. It's interesting that there's this balance between wanting to cover, but then also being comfortable with the body that we don't seem to have anymore because we we tend to uncover the body when we shouldn't and we, we're ashamed of it in ways we shouldn't be. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that's true. So for people in the Middle Ages who, when this happened, uh, I guess, because he had to tell his buddies what happened, I guess. I mean, how else would pe- we know about it? That would have been an interesting conversation. Over dinner, you know? Hmm. You're passing out the meatloaf and... Guess what I saw today, guys? You know, Stephanus, something happened today. I should tell you about Kind of weird. Yeah. But... So hear me out. Look, this is my road to sainthood. Can't argue with it. Yeah. I mean... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hmm. Brother Bernard had something happen today. Yeah. And he probably died. Probably people thought he was crazy. And then he became a saint. And then now we don't think he's crazy. So maybe that's going to happen with uh, Abby Bella. We think she's crazy because she fell in love with an alien. Maybe she'll be vindicated. Maybe so. I mean, I pray for her. Yep. That, you know, who knows? I mean... We do pray for the intercession of this week, St. Monica, mm-hmm. great mother to St. Augustine, who we celebrate this week as well. So we pray yeah. for the intercession well, of those. Well, to bring a full story, too, the church has a beautiful... So if you go to the Mass for St. Monica, beautiful prayer about her tears being basically the source of Augustine's conversion. So this idea Hmm. that the mom nurtures, the mom gives life. It's all the grace that came into Augustine's life through the ministry of Ambrose and everything else. All that grace was stored up like in a breast Hmm. in Monica, in her prayers, in her love, in her heart. And then as a a storage of all that grace came to Augustine. And so those moms that are praying for their kids, it's not a waste, right? Like you're storing up all that grace that will one day be given to the kids. Yep. Hang in there. So let's be gritty. Yeah. Like Augustine and Monica. Let's. All right. Well, thanks for being a part of the show, everyone. Feel free to share the show um, on the podcast. And thanks to everyone listening locally in Acadiana. And we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.